Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. I think you will agree with me that we do not want to be a part of a church that Jesus did not build. Now, I think we can agree on that. That's not the issue. In fact, it would be my opinion that if I were to poll the religious world, that they would probably say the same thing. They don't want to be a part of a church that Jesus did not build. The truth is, it seems to me, that most people, most practicing people of Christian faith believe that the church of which they are a part was established, started by Jesus. I don't think that they are choosing to be a part of a church that he didn't start. I think that they're honest. So I don't question their honesty. I don't question their motivations. But I also want us to make sure that we're not just satisfied. We're not just satisfied to be a part of the church that we are because we've always done it. That's always been the church I've been a part of. And we don't ask the questions. We don't think deeply about it. So I think it is important that we ask for ourselves, that we present for everyone else the answer to the question, when did the church of Christ begin? And this morning in the lesson, I hope you hear that phrase in the proper way. I'm not using that phrase in a denominational sense. When did the church of Christ denomination begin? That's not the sense I'm using it. I'm using it in the sense of what Jesus said in Matthew 16 and 18. I will build my church. It's His church. It's Christ's church. It's the church of Christ. When did that church begin? And if I can be convinced that there is a way to know when that church began, then I can more closely be able to say either one, is the church that I'm a part of one of those church, a church that Jesus built, or two, am I living, are we practicing, are we actually being the church that Jesus built? We may claim it, but are we? So I have all of those thoughts in mind as we think tonight about when did the church of Christ begin. Now the first thing that I want to do is to make sure that we are able to 
understand some terminology that we get confused in these discussions. We've talked before about the idea of transliteration versus translation. And we've talked about the importance of understanding the meaning of words. I want you to turn to that passage in Matthew chapter 16 for a minute. I want you to see it. You know it. But I want you to see it. There's a a much greater impression that comes to us when we see something. All right? I'm going to read it in a transliter I mean a translated way, a properly, a more accurate, if you will, let's put it that way, a more accurate translated way. And I want you to think, what is the impression of this verse on you? I did this to myself today. Matthew 16, verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my called out ones. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now for just a moment, when you read it that way, think about what comes to your minds. Jesus said, I will build on this rock my called out ones. Now, for the first time when I looked at that that way, it took on a whole different feel. When you read it as I will build my church, which is an, an accurate translation to some degree of that word, we immediately think of a, a group. We think of a, an organization. But what if I look at it this way? What's he saying? Jesus said on this rock I built my called out ones. In other words, he said to me, Mike, I'm building you on this foundation. And he's building you. And he's building you. And he's building you on this foundation. If you are a called out one, he's building you on that foundation. And every one of us, as a called out one, become a group of people whom we call the church. But I like the image of the translation, the called out ones. This phrase is used 115 times, this word, in the New Testament. About 109 of them are spiritual. The other six are, because the word itself, ecclesia, is not a spiritual word. 
It's just a regular word. When the townsfolk in Acts 18, I believe, got together to have a discussion about something, they were called the ecclesia. Because the governor called them out. The mayor called them out. And so for that moment, they were an ecclesia. They were, but they weren't a church, were they? No. So I like this called out ones concept. Now, that term is accurate and important. It really speaks to us being called out, every one of us individually called out, every one of us individually built on the foundation of the confession that Peter made. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and not one of us who obeyed Jesus in baptism, not one of us, did so without confessing that very same thing that Peter said, if we have accurately followed what we're supposed to do. So, that word is used, like I said, so many times. And I looked it up today. There are only, I'm going to say, I think it was five books from Romans to Revelation that don't use that word. Only five. Here's what I know. The church, that G, the church of Christ was in existence when the Bible was being written. That's what I know. Our passage, Romans 16, said the churches of Christ salute you. I know from this morning, I know that it was therefore there then. But this idea of church is interesting because, number two, the word that absolutely is church is a word from Old English and Dutch and German, kuriakas, church. Kuriakas, church. You can see the etymology becoming the word church. But even it doesn't really help us because it's not translated. Kuriakos, if you see it written out, K-U-R-K-I-O or I-K-O-S, written as C-H-U-R-C-H, you can see the connection. Kuriakos, church, it fits. It's transliterated. So it still doesn't help us. Let's read another passage with the translation. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And this time, I'm going to read it with a transliteration, not a translation, because I think this is fascinating. It'll help us, at least it helps me, to see something here. 1 Corinthians 11. Verse number 20. Therefore, and this is Kriakas. Therefore, when you church in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Well, all of a sudden, when you read a verse like that, 
you realize oh, there's a little more explaining to do. Not the point of the lesson, but I dare not leave the passage without saying, see, he's not saying don't take the Lord's Supper when you get together. He's not saying that. In the context, he's saying you're not here to eat a meal. You're not here to use the Lord's Supper as a common meal. He would go on to talk about that. But we are supposed to eat the Lord's Supper, and he talks about that in here too. So keep those things in mind. But notice what he's saying. When you come together, or when you church. Isn't that interesting? You see, the church is the assembled group. The called out ones are the individuals out there living their lives. And when all the called out ones get together, they are the church. And so I know this. I know that the church of Christ was functioning while the New Testament was being written. So the immediate question is, okay, what about my church? And should we not say, if my church wasn't functioning or isn't, isn't a church that was functioning then, then is that the church that Jesus built? But what about us? Who believe that we are a church like that. This is the church Jesus built. We are a part of that. We are a functioning body of that. Should we not continue to ask ourselves through a study of Scripture, are we acting like the church that Jesus built? Some people need to ask, is my church really a church that Jesus built? Others need to ask, I believe my church is, therefore, if it is, does it look like the church that the Bible talks about? That's an interesting point to me. Let's catch another one. The church of Christ started after certain things. Regardless of, of what people think, do you know that the church of Christ started after John the baptizer was dead? Did you know that John was not in the church of Christ? The religious world, many of them don't understand that. Oh man, John, why, he was baptizing, he was a part of that church. What did Jesus say in Matthew 11 and verse 11? The least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. You know why? Because John wasn't there. He wasn't in the church that Jesus said he was going to establish. And if a church tries to find its roots in John the baptizer, wait a minute. John wasn't even in it. You know the church that Jesus built 
started after the thief on the cross died? Intellectually, I know most of us get that. But wait a minute. Didn't Jesus say he's going to paradise? So surely he's one of the saved. Surely he was in the church. Well, there are a lot of saved people in the Old Testament that weren't a part of the church. And somehow to say that just like the thief, I did what the thief did to get into the church because he did. Wait a minute, the thief didn't get in. So if you want to be a part of the church that Jesus built, then you can't do what the thief did because the thief didn't get in. Church came later. Matthew or Luke informs us that Jesus said, yeah, today you'll be with me in paradise. We've discussed this different occasions, Michael McGaffey and I. I love his reaction. His word is, well, I tell you what. If the Lord walks up to you and says you're going to be in paradise, he overrules everything else. I think that's true. But here's another one. Will this shock you? The church that Jesus built, the church of Christ, came after Jesus died because Jesus was not in the church. When he was alive, he was not in the church. I never thought about that before. But what did Jesus say? I will build my church. He wasn't in it. Oh, I know he's the head of it now, but he was not in it then. Isn't that fascinating? His church started after he died. So I know that any church that I'm going to be a part of had these characteristics that started after these things. Again, the church of Christ started in certain times. It started in the lifetimes of some people that Jesus was preaching to. Matthew 16 and 28 and Luke 9 and 27. There are some of you standing here who will not taste death till you see the kingdom of God. Are you a part of a church that was started when some people that Jesus preached to say from A.D. 28 to 30 When those people were alive, was the church that you're a part of started then? They were a part of it? I think that's fascinating. To be, having, to be started in the time of those who were listening to Jesus says, pretty old. It's a pretty old church. 
In fact, it's heading toward 2,000 years old. I wonder, should the church that Jesus built have a 2,000 year celebration in the year 2030? You ever thought about that? Interesting. So I know that if I'm a part of a church that Jesus built, it's got to be that old. It's not that old. How can it be his? I think it's a church that started in the last times. Isaiah 2 and verse 2. The prophecy was, the mountains of the Lord house, well, in the latter days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be established. The latter days. Hebrews writer, chapter 1, identifies that there are two times. God who in various times and in different ways spoke in time past, to the fathers by the prophets, has in these times spoken to us by His Son, Jesus Christ. Put those two together, latter and last. You know what happened when Jesus was crucified and the church began? The Jewish system ended. In the latter part of the time in which Isaiah was writing, at the latter part, the very end of it, something's going to happen. And right after that happens, the last times begin. Meaning, nothing else to look forward to. No more churches, no more Bibles. No more saviors. That's it. The last times. We're living in the last times. Not because I can look around and I can see these events. You know, I have not seen it yet, but maybe you have. Has anybody yet tried to find COVID in the book of Revelation? I haven't heard it if they have. Maybe you have. If you've heard it, I'd love to see it. But, but I know this, every major thing that's ever happened in the world, somebody finds it in Revelation or they find it in Matthew 24, right? Because apparently they think there are going to be these signs that you can watch and know when the Lord's going to come back. No, we can't. We don't know because He's coming like a thief in the night. And the thief doesn't say, On the 25th, sometimes when you hear a rooster crowing, I'm showing up. It doesn't do that. And the church of Christ began in a certain city. 
Isaiah 2 verse 3 in that same prophecy. The mount of the Lord's house will be established upon the mountains. And where was that? Jerusalem, the text says, verse 3. Also called Zion. Was, was your church begun in Jerusalem? If it wasn't, then can it be the church that Jesus built? The church of Christ began at a time of great power. Mark 9 and 27. There are some of you standing here who will not taste of death until you have seen the kingdom of God present with power. He not only said it's coming in your lifetime, he told them how they would be able to identify it. There will be great power. It also came in the moment that the key was turned to open it. Because Jesus said, Peter, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. That's what the text says. And immediately before that, he said, I'll build my church. And then he said, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. You think he built something and gave keys to something else? Doesn't make any sense. What he built, he gave Peter the keys to. So in that passage, he's using kingdom and church in a synonymous way. And when that key was turned, that church began. And everything that we have just seen happened in Acts chapter 2. The power of the Holy Spirit, obvious through the tongues of fire that sat on the heads of those apostles. And they began to speak with tongues they had never studied, languages they had never studied. There were people from all over the world, about 14 different nations, I believe it is, mentioned there in Acts 2. And every one of them, the text said, heard these men speaking in their own languages. My view? This is my view. The temple court was a place for discussion, debate, oration. Big, big area. It's my view that these men were spread out. These 12 were here and here and here and here and here all around the temple courtyard. And the thousands of people were milling around. And as each one heard, Ooh, I hear my hometown over there. And they're drawn. In the same way that if we were in a foreign country, understanding nothing, and all of a sudden you heard a, a few words in English, what would you do? Turn. 
That's what happened in Acts 2. And those languages called the people together to start talking. How is this possible? But to whom did Jesus give the keys? Peter. So Peter opened the door. Now I don't know what the rest of them were teaching and preaching. I don't know what they were saying, but I know this. It was Peter who said what we find recorded in Acts 2. And when those people realized to whom he was speaking, them, they had killed the Messiah. They were cut. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children, as many as who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words, Peter spoke. Save yourselves from this untoward, says one version, generation. And that day there were 3,000 souls added to them. You know why? Because the door was open. Who were they added to? They were added to those people whom Jesus said, you're going to be the one sitting on 12 thrones to judge the tribes of Israel. And there they stood around the courtroom, the courtyard, passing the judgment of God to the people. And Peter, I think, in either the Hebrew language or the Greek language that all of them spoke, in addition to their dialect from home. Peter. Not in a miraculous way as far as a language, but in a language they all could understand, announced the message of God opening the door to the church of Christ as it began. Now, for us, if we really believe that Jesus established the church of which we are a part, then let us quit thinking, saying, or intimating that somehow we began in the Restoration Movement of the 1800s. We just did not. I have a fascinating book. It's one of those interesting books. I didn't even know these existed. They put them out before they're edited. And so there's a lot of mistakes in it. But a, a, a brother in Christ in England spent time researching Europe for hardcore evidence, written evidence of the Church of Christ. He's documented it all the way back to 1000 A.D. His next book, he said, is to document it from 1000 back to the first century. 
And what I mean by that is, he has pictures of the buildings where the books that he found there had attendance records claiming to be the Church of Christ. We didn't start in the 1800s. At least the church that Jesus built did not. It may have had a religious revival, and it did, but it was never dead. We're not a part of a church that started in the 1800s, or, or if we are, let's all get out right now. And let's go find the one that wasn't started in the 1800s. But as people who believe we are a first century church, let's act like one. Let's figure out what that really means. And then let's be that church. Because remember, what did Jesus say? By this, all men will know that you sent me into this world. That's when the church of Christ began. That's the church I want to be a part of. Here's an opportunity for you to be a part of it right now, accepting the same message that Peter had given that very first day. If you're not a Christian, if you're not in the church, his family, the body of Christ, if you're not faithful to the calling you once accepted. We always close with an opportunity for you to get that right while we stand and sing together. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.